Well, it was uh, September last year when the lives of Kelly and Anthony Elphalak were turned upside down uh, with the realisation that their three-year-old autistic son, AJ, had gone missing. Uh, AJ had been playing on the porch of their rural home one moment and uh, then gone without a trace the next, uh, leaving the family desperate and devastated, as you can imagine, and as you can see in this TV news report. Please, if you have any information, just give it to us, please. We need to find AJ. We really need to find him. He's gone for one day now. I need him back. Please, any information, give it to us. I'd appreciate it so much. I need to find him, please. It must be so tough for you, Kelly, and I'm so sorry you're having to go through this. How, how are you feeling? What's kind of going through your head at the moment? I just want to find my son. I just want to find my son. Oh, what heartbreaking words. And can you imagine the lengths that you would go to to see your child safely back home? Uh, well, needless to say, this little boy lost was headline news across Australia. But if we were to travel back 2,000 years in time to the events of Luke chapter 15, uh, which we're going to be looking at together now, I think the leading news headline would have been a different one, at least on the Pharisee news network, PNN, <laughs> which I reckon would have led the broadcast with something like, a controversial religious figure fraternises with deplorables. It would have been all about a shocking episode involving none other than Jesus himself, who had been spotted not just chatting with, but dining with tax collectors and sinners. Here, read with me from Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What a scandal. Jesus welcoming tax collectors and sinners. Now, of course, in Jesus' day, tax collectors were considered traitors and thieves, not only taxing their fellow Jews on behalf of a foreign government, the Romans, but also pocketing large sums of it for themselves, stealing it. So in the eyes of many, they were the scum of the earth. As for who the sinners are that Jesus is also eating with, well, we're not told explicitly, uh, but I, I think it's safe to assume that they're a bunch of, well, irreligious lawbreakers. And uh, it doesn't take too much imagination to picture the kind of people being referred to here. Uh, this is, of course, the, the sort of incident that hits the headlines even today, isn't it? Uh, when someone in public office is discovered associating with you know, shady characters. Uh, but unlike the modern-day politician who, in that situation, then does everything he can to distance himself from those people, uh, Jesus doesn't. Instead, he responds to the Pharisees' criticism by telling three stories or parables. Uh, in, in the first, Jesus tells the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And one day he counts them and he discovers that one's missing. It's uh, wandered off and is now in great danger of being destroyed by wild animals. So what does the shepherd do? 
Well, obviously, he doesn't think twice about heading off to find his lost sheep, searching with dogged determination, looking up in the mountains, looking across all the fields, looking down in the valleys, searching everywhere and not giving up until he finds that one lost sheep. And when he does, well, he tenderly places it upon his shoulders and carries it home, overflowing with joy. In fact, he's so overjoyed, he cannot keep it to himself. And so he calls out to his friends and neighbours, saying, come, come and and rejoice with me. In other words, let's party. Though, Presumably not with a lamb on the spit. (laughs) (laughs) Then Jesus explains the parable. In this shepherd, we see a picture of God's great desire for every lost sinner to be found. And we see God's great joy when one turns from his sin back to him, when they repent. Here, read with me from verse 3. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It is an extraordinary thought, isn't it? When a lost sinner is found, uh, redeemed, there's a great party in heaven. And so you see, the Pharisees shouldn't be grumbling about what Jesus is doing here, because he's doing exactly what God wants, finding lost sinners. But to emphasise the point, Jesus tells a second parable. Uh, This time, a story about a woman who has ten silver coins, but loses one, uh, which apparently is the equivalent of losing about an average day's wage. Now, we we don't know this woman's backstory. Uh, Perhaps perhaps she's a poor widow. Uh, Perhaps this coin represents her savings. We don't know. But we do know that the loss of this coin is so significant that she is prepared to move heaven and earth to find it. And so she lights a a lamp to help her see into the dark corners of her house, sweeping the floor, scouring every nook and cranny. All her other jobs are put on hold until she finds this coin. No doubt getting down on her hands and knees, looking under the furniture, looking under the mat, Looking a second time, a third time, again searching with dogged determination until she finds that coin. And then like the shepherd, well, she too is filled with tremendous joy. And she too calls her friends and neighbours to celebrate with her. She too has a party, presumably one not costing a day's wages. And again, Jesus explains, this woman is a picture of the great lengths God will go to to find lost sinners. 
and a picture of the great joy in heaven when one is found. Here, read with me from verse 8. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so you see, Jesus is not doing anything wrong in welcoming sinners. No, he is simply doing God's will. It is the grumbling Pharisees who are out of step with God here. And to really drive this point home, Jesus tells a third and final parable. This time it's about a father with two sons. And uh, one day the younger son comes to his dad demanding his share of uh, the inheritance. Of course, you don't uh, usually get an inheritance until your parents die, do you? And so essentially this son is saying to his dad, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. How heartbreaking for the father. And, And how shameful for him it will be when the village hears about it. But regardless, he gives his son what he asks for. The son then sells his portion of the family farm and takes off to a distant country where he uh, puts on his party clothes and goes out and paints the town red, throwing his dad's hard-earned money at at grog and and girls and and wild living. But after some time, he he puts his hands into his pockets and he realises that he has now burned through his whole inheritance. It's all gone. To make matters worse, a, a famine hits the land. There's a financial downturn, and the son becomes so desperate, he's forced to take up the most de- degrading job of feeding, of all things, unclean pigs. His party clothes now filthy and reeking and all his former party mates nowhere to be seen. He's so hungry that even the pig food starts looking pretty good to him. But it's at this lowest of low points that this young man finally comes to his senses, deciding to go back to his father before he starves to death. It is his only hope. But the question is, how will his dad respond? I mean, the the boys acted abominably towards him. Maybe when his father sees him, he'll just go inside the house, lock the door, pull the blinds down, totally disowning. Worse, maybe he'll seek retribution on his son in order to restore his honour in the village. Can you imagine what must have been going through this boy's mind on his way home? What will my father say? What will my father do? But his fears are needless. Because back at the family farm, the boy's dad spots him way off in the distance, almost as though he has been watching for him all this time. 
you know, longing for this day. And when he recognises him, he doesn't lock the doors or uh, pull out a shotgun. Instead, his heart melts with compassion for his son. And he takes off towards him, casting aside all conventions of respectability. He, he hitches up his tunic and, and he runs to him. Who, who cares what the neighbours think? And when he reaches his boy, he throws his arms around him. And despite the filth, despite the smell, he, he holds him tight. He kisses him. Dad, the boy says, I don't deserve to be your son. But maybe you can find it in your heart to at least let, let me be one of your paid servants. But the father isn't concerned with what the boy is or is not worthy of. He is just so overwhelmed with joy. His son is home. And in a clear sign of, of total acceptance and, and full restoration, his father calls for his son to be dressed in the best robe. And the, the family signet ring put on his finger and sandals put on his feet. He calls for the barbie to be fired up and the hi-fi volume cranked up to 11. And he shouts, let's get this party started. <laughs> and why shouldn't he celebrate? His lost son is home at last. Here, read with me from verse 11. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and, and sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, what a happy day. What a joyous celebration. Though it appears that not everyone is in the mood for partying. Because remember, this father has two sons. And uh, when the older son hears of his rebellious brother's return and his father's total acceptance and, and, and extravagant celebration, he is furious. In fact, he is so angry, he won't even come in the house. But when his father hears of this, he comes out looking for his oldest son and pleads with him to come inside, into the warmth, into into the joy, into the celebration. But the oldest son won't have a bar of it. How dare you celebrate over this rebellious son of yours, he says, not even prepared to call him his own brother, notice, but just this son of yours. What about me, he says. I've been slaving away for you here on the farm, and what have you ever given me? Nothing. Where's my party? And so in response, the father ever so gently rebukes his older son. Son, he says, All the blessings of my family home have always been at your disposal. Therefore, the taking. You have no reason to be jealous. But here's the thing. Your brother, yes, your brother, has come back to us alive and well. Don't you get it? We have to celebrate. Here, read with me these final verses uh, from today's passage, from verse 25, verse 25. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. And refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And with that, we we reach the end of the parable, which of course leaves us wondering, What does the older brother do? 
Does he, does he come round? Does he have a change of heart towards his younger sibling? Does he, does he come inside or not? Well, I'm pretty sure that Jesus leaves us hanging on purpose. Because, you see, it, it's the grumbling, self-righteous Pharisees who represent the older brother here, isn't it? And the father is, of course, God. And, and the younger brother, the repentant tax collectors and sinners who, whom Jesus has befriended. And so the real question here is, will they, the, the, the Pharisees, come inside? Will they have a change of heart, recognising God's great desire for every lost sinner to be found and restored and sharing his tremendous joy when they are? And with that question left hanging, we come to the end of today's passage. So what have we seen? Well, the religious leaders are up in arms about Jesus' welcoming sinners but Jesus is totally unapologetic. He shows that like a shepherd searching for his lost sheep or a woman searching for her lost coin, God goes to great lengths to find the spiritually lost. And like a father who's filled with compassion at the sight of his rebellious son's return, God welcomes repentant sinners, accepting them and restoring them fully rejoicing greatly over them. Which means that Jesus is simply doing the will of God and that it's the Pharisees who need to come to the party, so to speak. Wonderful chapter of the Bible, isn't it? So what do you think it means for us here today? Well, I reckon it all boils down to just two very simple things. If you're lost, get found. And if you're found, get the lost. Not get lost, get the lost. <laughs> Just be clear about that. Firstly, if you're lost, get found. You know, it is abundantly clear from this chapter that God wants lost sinners. And we know that he has gone to extraordinary lengths to find them. Not, not searching the countryside or sweeping a house, but rather sending his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to show sinners the way home and to open up that way for them through his death on the cross. Bearing our sin, Jesus died that we might live forever. Jesus was rejected and reviled that we might be fully accepted and restored. I mean, you talk about dogged determination. My goodness, it does not get more determined than that. But that is God's great love for this lost world. It reminds me of those words of Kelly Elphalak. I just want to find my son. You know, nothing else mattered to her. Though the difference here, of course, is we didn't innocently wander off like little AJ did, but more like the son in Jesus' third parable. We 
and all humanity, in effect, told God to drop dead. And so you see, Jesus is welcoming sinners. Isn't scandalous news at all. It is the best news ever. And so, friend, let me ask, are you lost? Then get found. Take hold of the forgiveness that Jesus offers you. No matter who you are. You know, I'll never forget the day a few years back I received a phone call out of the blue from a distant uh, family friend. Somebody, in fact, I hadn't spoken to for probably 20 or so years. Asking if I would come and visit him. Uh, Obviously, I, I found the request a bit odd but I went anyway. Now I'd always known this particular fella as as a pretty tough bloke, Uh, a war veteran, uh, tattoos up and down his arms from a time when tattoos were actually actually meant toughness. (laughs) And I won't go into any details but let's just say that he was a bloke with a a pretty checkered history, Uh, someone whose choices had messed up his own life and his family's life too. He was now well into his 80s, a widower, and uh, his health was going down quickly. Anyway, I got to his home and he invited me in. We sat down and we began to talk. And he told me that he realised that he was reaching the end of his life. And knowing that I was a church minister, uh, he asked if I would take his funeral when he died. And of course I said yes. But it was then that that his tears began to flow. And the real reason he had asked me to visit came out. He asked if I thought God could ever forgive someone like him. Someone with his history. If I thought God could ever welcome someone like him into heaven. Well, together we looked at parable of the lost son and I was able to show him how actually none of us are good enough to get into heaven but how 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 Jesus died in our place on the cross and now offers forgiveness and a warm welcome to all who repent and trust in him and with a quiver in his voice this man said that that was what he wanted And so together we prayed. And and there and then he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And it was such an amazing thing to see. And you know, off in the distance, I reckon I could hear the volume of heaven's hi-fi being cranked up. As this old man's tears of despair were replaced with tears of joy. At the door as I was leaving, he he thanked me. And you know what he said? He said, it was the best day of his life. And I reckon it was true. Because he was finally home. Friend, is it time for you to come home? It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God offers a warm welcome to all who repent and put their trust in Jesus. He is standing with arms wide open, 
ready to accept you as a son, as a daughter. So if you're lost, get found. That's point number one. Secondly, if you're found, get the lost. You know, not long after the events of Luke chapter 15, Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. And 2,000 years have now gone by. But God's heart for the lost has not changed. And in today's passage, we see that as God's children, we ought to long for the same thing our Heavenly Father does, for lost sinners to be found. And that, of course, will mean sharing with them the good news that Jesus can save them. Calling on people to turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus. Of course, like the shepherd and the woman in Jesus' parables, that's no doubt going to take some effort and determination from us too. Not that the challenge is going to be finding lost, not that, that, not that our challenge is going to be finding lost sinners like we, we might, you know, have to find our lost keys, something like that. There'll be, there'll be absolutely no problem locating lost sinners. They're everywhere. Our determination will be needed in making and taking opportunities to share Jesus with them. And not giving up easily. It'll take time. It'll take prayer. It'll take sacrifice and courage. But it'll also bring great joy. Joy for our Heavenly Father. And joy for us too. I mean, think about it. Earlier... We heard the announcement about our Mission Sunday giving. We sacrificially gave away all that money. Gone. And how did we respond? With a great big cheer. Why? Because we know it'll be used to share the gospel around the world. That it'll be heard by people near and far that some will hear it and believe it, that the dead will be alive again, that the lost will be found. And that thought thrills our hearts as it should. Earlier, we also saw the spotlight about the Easy English Bible class. You know those volunteer teachers, they put in hours and hours every week to run those classes. Such dogged determination. Why? Well, did you hear the joy in Beth and Shalene's voices as they shared stories of lost women found? That's why. And so, friend, let me ask, what can you do? Whom has God put in your circle of influence that you can seek for Christ. We don't want to be like the party pooper older brother. No, we want to be on about what our father's on about, 
finding people who are precious to him as we point them to Jesus. And so if you're found, get the lost. So what did ever happen to A.J. Elphalak, that little boy lost? Well, I'm very happy to say he became the little boy found. Grab your tissues and let's see how his story ended. It's the news we all needed today. Little Anthony, AJ Elphalak, found alive after three freezing nights, lost and alone on his family's property at Putty in the Hunter. The police helicopter spotted the three-year-old this morning as it was preparing to refuel, sparking unbridled emotion from the dozens of family members who had been clinging to hope. A flash of grey. I've got the boy. This, the moment three-year-old AJ Elphalak is spotted from the sky, all on his own in a creek, lapping at the water after being lost for four long days. I'm just going to get on the PA and try and guide the SES crew in. Found just 470 metres from the family's home, the news spread fast. They found him. He's with the two, the two my paramedics. He's alive. Thank you, God. We found him, boys. We found him. Four days. Four days, no sleep, boys. Four days. We found him. We found AJ, my baby. My baby, AJ. AJ's mother, Kelly, running to be reunited with her son as the trauma, anxiety and anguish of the ordeal became too much. She recovered. For some, finally, time to sleep. My leg, my hips, my ankles, they're all gone. I can't walk. I've been in the bush for four days, no sleep. Night and day, as you've seen us, we didn't stop. For everyone else, celebration. There's going to be a party at your place tonight. Oh, like you would not believe. <laughs> the little boy from a little town, unable to speak, but capable of uniting the whole country in relief. Tonight, safe at last. James Wilson is at AJ's family home at Putty. James, it's been a hugely emotional day for everyone involved. What's the feeling there this evening? Oh, Pete, it has been truly remarkable. It is party time at the Elphalak family home. Music has been blaring all afternoon. The bonfire is cranking and right now the family are cooking up a traditional Lebanese barbecue. I think I just saw a case of beer going up the road too and rightly so. This has been a story that has captivated the nation, Pete, and tonight Australia is celebrating alongside them. I'm sorry, but if that doesn't bring tears of joy to your eyes, you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think that is commitment to finding a lost loved one, if you think that is joy, in finding them, then know this, it is nothing compared to the commitment and joy that God has shown in finding you through Jesus. 
So if you're lost, get found. And if you're found, then let's go get those lost. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for coming after lost sinners like us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, that we might be brought back home and warmly welcomed into your family. Please give us your heart for the lost and use us to lead many home to you through the gospel. Fill our hearts with joy as we see the fruits of our labours. And please, speed on the day when we'll be with you face to face in endless celebration and with unspeakable joy. In our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.